Good morning again. Let's go ahead and tell the choir, super good, excellent job. You rock the house. Yes. Oh, Easter Sunday. Man, what do you say that everybody in the room kind of knows where you're headed? And so how do you put that fresh spin on it that doesn't have you finishing the sermon or the sentence before I get to it? So today what I want to do is talk to you. For the last 2,000 years, Christianity has been on trial. Christianity has been maligned. Christianity has been that thing that people looked at and wanted to disprove. But every time they tried to disprove it, the proof came back and the people were convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead, that the resurrection was real, that salvation was available, and that life everlasting could be yours. You say, was it really on trial? Well, let's go back to Jesus 2,000 years ago. From the moment that he began an earthly ministry, the religious leaders began to look and to say, who is he? He can't be. What about this and what about that? And all the way up into his crucifixion, they were speaking against him. But it wasn't just Christ. He said, if you follow me and I go and endure persecution, then you also are going to endure persecution. In fact, in the book of Acts, chapters 4 through 6, Peter and John are on trial, not because they were bad guys, but because they had believed in and had proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ. In Acts 26, Paul was on trial in front of King Agrippa. Again, not because he was a bad man, but because he had stood up and dared to say the name of Jesus Christ. Today, Christianity is maligned. Today, Christianity is on trial. People are being persecuted for their faith. Some just in discomfort. And some, as we saw last week on Palm Sunday, in death when Christians were bombed because they gathered to worship in the country of Egypt. Christianity is on trial. But you know what? Before I begin, I think I need to be very honest with you. At the close of this message, I'm going to ask you to respond to what you've heard either in music or in word, spoken word today. I'm going to ask you to respond to the person of Christ. I'm going to ask you during the singing of a song to declare your faith in Him. For some of you, it'll be for the very first time that you trusted Christ to be your Savior. For others of you, maybe you trusted Him a long time ago, but yet you have not been walking beside Him. And today, I'm going to ask you to be a follower committed in sync with Christ. Some of you, I'm going to ask, have you... Do you have a church home? Do you have a place that you can worship and attend and be a part of a family? I'm going to invite you to come to the front. Some of you will simply say, Pastor, I'm in need of prayer. And I'm going to invite you to respond by allowing us as a church to pray for you this morning. So the question I want to answer today is why am I a Christian? Why would I be a follower of Christ? Knowing that being a follower of Christ is going to lead to persecution. Knowing that being a follower of Christ is going to lead to being misunderstood. And for some people even to think that we're crazy. Well, I believe this morning that we can see and I can share with you four reasons that I have decided 
to follow Christ. I'm going to use the verse that's familiar to all of you. John chapter 3 verse 16. Would you say it with me? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but they will have everlasting life. This sentence, I believe, captures the whole essence of Christianity. I believe in this sentence you see why people were willing to die for the man and their belief in the man named Jesus. For God. For God what? For God so loved you. You know, I love to do with that verse. It's not just say, for God so loved the world. I love to say, for God so loved Chris. And you can put your name in there because it says, For God so loved you right here, right now, in this moment, God loved you. This sentence captures the essence of Christianity, what Christianity is all about. But know this, that a lot of people's understanding of Christianity is really a misunderstanding of Christianity. We think it's a bunch of rules. We think it's what we can't do or what this or what that. And we begin to say, well, I could not. And some will even say that I will not be a follower of Christ because I can't understand it and I can't explain it. But let me tell you this. How many of you ever walk to your refrigerator and reach in there and pull out a jug of white milk that was produced by a black cow that ate green grass and brown hay? You cannot explain it. But yet, every day you drink it and pour it over your cereal and you enjoy the benefits of what came out of that cow. I want to tell you this morning that there are many things about Christianity that I cannot explain to you. In fact, the Bible on the upfront says to me that there are some things that are a mystery and they will not be revealed until I meet Christ, either by death or by His return. But that's what He tells me. So this morning, as we talk about faith for God, I can't explain Him. But you know what? If I could explain Him, would I really want to stop on a Sunday morning and worship Him? I am not going to gather in any one of y'all's names, okay? And worship you this morning. Because you, like me, are finite. You, like me, are fallen. You, like me, are in need of redemption. But there was one who was born of a virgin, who was born in a stable, who lived a sinless life, who died on a cross, who went into a tomb and rose again so that the payment and the penalty of sin could be paid forevermore and amen. That is Him and His name is Jesus and He died for you. I cannot explain Him. I don't want to explain Him. Because if I explain Him, He's in a box and God in a box is not cool. By faith. Is your faith lacking this morning? Are you saying, Pastor, I want to believe, but my faith is not there? You know what? The Bible says that if we lack it, we can ask for it, and He will give it. You can't conjure up the faith. It's a gift. And you can ask Him for it, and He will freely give it to you this morning. Why am I a Christian? First of all, I am a Christian because Christianity is true. Say it with me. Christianity is true. 
Too many today are asking the wrong question. And if you ask the wrong question, guess what? You get the wrong answer. But here's the right question. Has God revealed himself to humanity? Has he? The scripture says in Romans chapter 1 that by creation, anything that needs to be known about God can be seen by humanity. It is there. He is crying out. I am the God. I am a creator. Look, there's intelligent design. It is here. It is now. Christianity is true. And the scripture says that you can look and see it in the stars, the sun, the moon, the trees, the rocks, the rivers, the ocean, the humanity, the animals. It is intelligent. And it was created by Him. But you see, God not only speaks through creation, but God speaks to us through history. And throughout history, there have been those that have tried to say, God is not real. That God is dead. That God could not be this or God could not be that. And each time they have been proven not right. But God's greatest revelation through history was in one man, one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. But how do we know that he's the one? Well, I'll tell you this. In the Old Testament, there are 322 prophecies about the coming Messiah. And every one of those 322 prophecies about the coming Messiah were and are completely filled in Him. Now I want to tell you something. The probability of all of those prophecies being fulfilled in one person at one time is 1 over 84 with 100 zeros out beside the 84. That's a lot. In other words, it don't happen too often. But in one man, Jesus Christ, it happened 2,000 years ago when he was born and when he died 33 years later and he rose Again, Jesus is the answer. You know, you think about those 322 prophecies and you can go read them all. It tells you how he will be born. They tell you when he will be born. They tell you where he will be born. They tell you how he will live. They tell you what he will say. They tell you when he will die, where he will die, and how he will die. And that he will rise again. In those prophecies, we began to see that the person of Jesus Christ is who he said he was. Christianity, not just based on the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, and the teaching of Christ, and the death of Christ, is based on his resurrection. Without the resurrection... There is no Christianity. Without the resurrection, we've got just another dead man. And we can go across the street and find a lot of those. But there's one who died, who was buried, and rose again. And the scripture says to die no more. You know, throughout the last centuries, there have been those, as I told you earlier, that sought to to disprove Christianity. One of those people were in the 18th century. His name was Gilbert West. Gilbert West did not like the fact that his friends were becoming Christians, followers of Christ. He was losing his buddies to hang out with. And so he set out 
to prove that Christianity was not true. And he did the research. He read the prophecies. He looked at all the things, biblical and extra-biblical, to see what was there. And halfway through his research, the man who set out to disprove proved that Christ was real. He became a follower of Christ. He redirected his writing and he became an ardent follower and a loud proclaimer of Jesus. But you see, it didn't just happen in the 18th century. It also happened in the 19th century. There was a gentleman, a famous atheist, who actually is beginning to have a little bit of a, of a cult following, a resurgent, because people are saying, man, I like what he was thinking. But his name was Robert Ingersoll. And Robert Ingersoll had a friend, General Lew Wallace. And Ingersoll and Wallace were having a conversation. And in their conversation, Ingersoll recommended to Wallace, Hey, why don't you write a book to disprove that Jesus is real? Wallace took the challenge. Wallace's wife was a follower of Christ. She began to pray that as he wrote the book, Lord, as he writes the book to disprove you are real, would you show him that you are real? When he got to the fourth chapter of the book that he was writing, he became a follower of Christ. He started to rewrite the book, and actually the book that he wrote, you know today, is Ben-Hur. Robert Lew Wallace became a follower of Christ. It didn't just happen in the 18th century, and it didn't just happen in the 19th century. It happened in the 20th century. There was a lawyer and a journalist, Frank Morrison. Frank Morrison set out to disprove the resurrection. And during his research, he met Christ. And he wrote a book, Who Moved the Stone? He became a follower of Christ. But you see, it wasn't just those that I've just told you about. There was also a lawyer named Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel set out to disprove the resurrection, the validity of Christ. And in his research, he became a follower of Christ. He wrote a book, The Case for Christ. In fact, if you left here today and went over to AMC or down to um, the movie in theater in McDonough, there's a movie there now called The Case for Christ. They took his story, they made a movie, and now everybody who walks in there is hearing what this man discovered. Jesus is real. Say it with me. Jesus is real. He did what he said he was going to do. And he wants to do it in my life today. Do you understand that you have the opportunity this morning to have a meeting, an appointment, and you can meet the risen Jesus Christ? I want to ask you a question. Oftentimes we refer to, by analogy, the highway of life. Do you agree with me? And we're walled walking down the highway of life. The postmodern likes to call it my story. I don't care what you call it, but we're all on a journey. And you're on your journey, and oftentimes in, those, in that journey, you come to a fork in the road. When you get to your fork in the road, um, will y'all be my two people at the fork in the road? Awesome. You stand up. As you're on, you lie down. Okay. I figured youth got that part, right? All right. Alright, so, I'm living my life. I'm on my journey. I'm walking down the road. I come to the fork. I've got a decision to make. I don't know which way to go. Which one of these people do you think I'm going to ask? The dead one or the alive one? The alive one, right? Okay, thank you. Y'all give them a hand. That's the best dead person I've ever seen on Easter Sunday. 
Yes, if you want to know how to live your life, you ask the one that's alive. And history proves that Jesus is alive. Ask Him, and the Scripture says that any man that lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and He gives freely without reproach. Jesus wants to speak into you. He wants to guide you this morning. He wants to take you there. I am a Christian because Jesus is alive. I am a Christian because Jesus is true. I am a Christian because the the resurrection validates Him as the risen Messiah. And I want to tell you, if I stopped right there, and you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you ought to call time out, come running and say, Pastor, let me meet Him right now. Because after He rose again, The scripture says that for 40 days he lived on the earth. And in the 40 days that he lived on the earth, he never added to or took away from anything that he said in the previous days that he walked the earth. He did not contradict not one of those 322 prophecies about his life. I am a Christian because Christianity is true. I am a Christian. Because I need forgiveness. I am a Christian. Because that passage that I shared with you. For God so loved the world. That whosoever believes in him. Will not perish. And do you know on my own I perish. Every day I make the choices that lead to perishing. Every day I live a life that it can be destructive. But I need forgiveness. I read a story about. A father and his little girl and his daughter needed entertaining. And to entertain her, he looked and in the newspaper he saw a picture of the world. And he thought, you know what? If I take this picture of the world and I cut it up and make a makeshift puzzle, then surely it will take her a while to put this puzzle back together. So he cut it up, walked out of the room, and in just a moment, in what he thought would be a long time, the little girl came running, Daddy, Daddy, I've got it done. And he's like, holy cow. You know those moments, right? You think you've given them a task, it's going to take forever, and it only takes a second. And you're like, man, i got to find something else. And he looked at the little girl, he said, Honey, how did you do it so quickly? And he said, well, Daddy, while you were cutting up the picture of the world, I noticed a picture of a man and a woman on the back. (laughs) And he said, I knew that if I got them right, the world would be right. Yeah. You see, I'm a Christian because I need forgiveness. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Isaiah 53, we just said it. We're all in iniquity. And by His stripes we are healed. There's a British evangelist who much of this information came from. He is a wonderful communicator of the gospel. His name is J. John. And J. John said that one day he was preaching and had been giving lectures at a university. And when he finished his lectures, this young man walked up to him and said, Professor or doctor, whatever he called him. He said, I have listened to many of your lectures. 
He said, and I've come to the conclusion that Christianity is a crutch. And J. John looked at him and said, young man, if you had two broken legs, would you want a wheelchair? And the young man said, yes, I do. Yes, I would. He said, if you had one broken leg, would you want a pair of crutches? And the young man said, yes, I would. And J. John looked at him and he said, well, I am a broken man. And I appreciate that Jesus is letting me lean on Him while I am being fixed. Yeah. I want to ask you this morning. Have you come in here broken? Have you thought that it was a sign of weakness to lean on Jesus? Have you become convinced that you don't have to lean on Him because to lean on Him admits you're weak? Would you go ahead and listen to me right now? You are weak. And yes, we need a crutch. And yes, I'm glad that Jesus was there to say, Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I don't know the rest. I knew that much. <laughs> yeah he said call on me and he said lean on me and I will give you rest he said is your burden too heavy to carry he said I'll pick it up I'll pick you up I will carry you I need forgiveness I need Jesus I'm a Christian because it's true. I'm a Christian because I need forgiveness. I'm a Christian because Jesus cleared the deficit. For God so loved the world, He gave His Son. Jesus came into this world to do something for you and me that we could not do for ourselves. The Scripture says that our righteousness, our goodness is like filthy rags before God. In other words, you could take all the goodness that I have in me, you could pile it up and Jesus would say, that's a filthy rag. I could take all of us and all of you and put it a pile here and say, God, how about this? Is this good enough to come into your presence? And you say, no, that's still filthy rags. He said, but there's one who's clean. There's one that's pure. There's one that's whiter than snow. His name is Jesus and He went to the cross for you. There was a famous artist. He went back to his hometown. And as he was walking the streets that he had walked as a little boy, he came to an antique shop. And he looked into the antique shop and he saw one of his first paintings that he had painted many years ago. And it was in the window and it was broken and it was dirty and it needed cleaning up. And he thought, that's my picture. But you see, before he could take his picture and he could clean it up, he had to walk into the antique shop and at that moment he had to negotiate a price with the antique shop owner before he could take it, buy it, and clean it up and restore it. Because of sin, while we were created by God and for God, because of sin we had been placed into the antique shop window, broken, 
And Jesus walked by and he said, that is my son, that is my daughter. But he knew before that he could take it and claim it and clean it up, he had to buy it. And there was, a, there was a price negotiated with the Father in heaven. And he said, how much will they cost? And he said, it will cost you your life. And Jesus said, I will pay it in full. He paid a debt. He did not owe. And I owed a debt I could not pay. But Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. For me, that day was June 1978, kneeling by a tree at Epworth-by-the-Sea on St. Simon's Island, Georgia. At that moment, I knew that I could not purchase for me what needed to be purchased. And God, through the wonder and the power of His Holy Spirit, drew me. And He said, at the checkout counter, I got this. When was your day? When was your moment that you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that you were a sinner separated from God by your sin and at that moment you knew that He was the payment and all you had to do was call on Him? Can you name it? Have you not ever had it? This morning you can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, I told you at the beginning that at the end I was going to ask you to respond. Would you start praying right now? Lord, if it's me that's not in your family, would you draw me right now? And I believe that he will hear and that he will answer you. You say, oh, Chris, you don't know my past. I don't. God does. You say, I can't alter the past. And you're right. You can't. But you know what? You can bring the past to the altar of Christ. And it says, I will make you a new creature. I will cleanse you. I will restore you. I will make you whole. And it doesn't matter who you've been, what you've done, that if you will come to me, that I will transform you, make you a new creature. I will wash you whiter than snow. I will forgive your past. I can restore the years the locusts have eaten. And I can give you peace. He says, I can do it. Not only can I do it, he actually is shouting right now, I want to do it. Yeah. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him they do not perish but they have everlasting life. And throughout Scripture Jesus gives a description of Himself to us so that we can understand. And for example... In the scripture, he is the bread of life so the baker can understand. He's the living water so the plumber can understand. He is the light of the world so the electrician can understand. He's the captain of the wind, Ryan, so the AC mechanic can understand who he is. He's the cornerstone so the architect can understand. He's the hidden treasure, Claudia, so the banker can understand. He is life so the biologist can understand. He is the great physician so the doctor and the nurse and the pharmacist can understand. He is the good teacher so the educator can understand. He is the lily of the valley so the florist understands. He's the rock of ages so the geologist can understand. He's the true vine so the farmer can understand. He is the righteous one so the judge can understand. He's the pearl of great price. 
so the jeweler can understand. He's the wisdom so the philosopher understands. He's the word so the actor understands. He's the good shepherd so the rancher can understand. He's the alpha and the omega so the scientist can understand. He's the king of kings so that the rulers of the world will understand. He is the way so the pilot, the sea captain, and the truck driver can understand how to get there. He is the truth so the politician will understand. And in the Old Testament, he spoke through a donkey so I would understand. Yeah. That is Jesus. Can you stand up this morning and tell him thank you for being the one that died for you so that you can have life? He is Jesus. I am a Christian because it's true. I am a Christian because I need forgiveness. I am a Christian because Jesus cleared the deficit. And I am a Christian because, he, because it works. I've been to the bottom. And He is there. I've been broke. And He provided I've been a failure, and He forgave. I've been unjustly treated, and He was the defender. I've been scared, and He was the comforter. I've been sick, and He was the healer. For one moment, I want you to pretend with me. That your life is a car. And I want to ask you one question. Is Jesus in your car? Fair question, right? We're pretending. It's my story. We can do whatever we want. So, your life's a car. I'm asking you the question. Is Jesus in it? And now the next question is, if Jesus is in your car, where is he in the car? Is he in the trunk? Is he in the trunk and you take him out on Sunday morning? We're getting there. Y'all stay with me. Y'all are right on track with me. Yes, you are. Is he in the trunk and you take him out for Christian happy hour on Sunday morning at 1045? And you walk in with him going, check out my Jesus. Man, he's been with me all week and he knows he's been in the trunk. He's dusting himself off. Is he in the back seat? A little better, but he's still back there. Is he in the front seat? And if he's in the front seat, is he in the driver's seat? I know what you're thinking. Jesus in my driver's seat. I got it good. I don't have to listen to nothing else. But here's my next question. Are you a backseat driver? Okay. Jesus says, let's go to the left. And you don't want to go to the left. Let's go to the right. Jesus says, let's be generous. Oh, I don't want to be generous. No. Uh-uh. My belief in Christ has to affect the way I live. It has to affect my behavior. 
Where are you today? Where's Jesus today? In your life. True to my word. I told you at the end of the message. I was going to ask you to respond. And the first question is this. Have you invited Jesus into the car? And you say, oh, pastor, I just sang in the choir. That does not mean Jesus is in the car. I put something in that offering plate. That does not mean Jesus is in the car. That just means you got a dollar less. Or $20 less or $100 less. The amount doesn't matter. Because all of our good works do not lead us to Christ. Surrender and faith and trust lead us to Christ. So the question this morning is, where's Jesus? Have you trusted Him? If you haven't trusted Him, in just a moment, they're going to stand and sing. What are we singing? Because He lives. I can face tomorrow? Okay, awesome. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. And if you have not yet trusted Christ as your Savior, if you are not 100% certain that if life ended today, you would spend eternity in heaven, I'm going to tell you, stand up, come running, I'll be here. I want to talk to you about how to have Jesus in your life. The second group that I'm going to ask to respond are those that have trusted Christ as your Savior and you know that you're born again. That's not a question. But yet you've kind of walked away from Him. You put Him in the trunk. You put Him in the back seat. You put Him in the driver's seat. But you tried to be the back seat driver. There we go. And the backseat driver. And this morning I want to tell you. That pearl of great price paid a great price. But that pearl of great price that paid a great price. Expects from you surrender of your life to him. And so that second group of people. I'm going to ask you to reaffirm, confirm. And say today. I trust Him. Today, I follow Him. He's mine. The third group of people that I'm going to ask to respond, there's some people here today that are going to be baptized. When that first note is played, I want you to stand up, walk to this cross. Pastor Russell and some others are going to be standing there. They're going to lead you to the back, and that water is warm. And you're going to be baptized, but don't you hesitate. You come. You say, I'm here today, and I have not ever been baptized, and I want to be baptized, and this is the moment for me. It doesn't matter if we haven't planned it. You come running. You just go right over there. It could be your moment. The other group that I'm going to ask to respond is... The person that needs prayer. I can't alter the past. But you can bring the past to the altar. To Jesus. And you can come to these steps. And you can pray. And you can cry out to Him. And say, Jesus, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Help. And He says that I will give you help. That's Jesus. So I'm going to bow my head. I'm going to invite you to bow your head with me. 
And I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, the music will start. You respond. Four groups. I need Jesus. I have Jesus, but I need to reconnect. I need to be baptized. You're going straight over there. Somebody pray with me. You come right here. Father, we thank you this morning that you so love the world that you gave us your son and that he died and he was buried and he rose again so that we did not have to perish but we could have everlasting life. And Lord, this morning, as we get the privilege to worship you, as we get the privilege to respond to you, In the words of Michael the archangel, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Don't let anything hold anybody back from this moment when they can respond to you. God, you can change the hardest heart. And you're speaking. Help us to know how and when to obey. We pray it, we ask it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more, to listen to messages and teaching from Pastor Chris, to contribute through online giving, please visit our website at mzbc.org. Thank you for supporting Mount Zion, where you are welcome, wanted, and needed.